Welcome to the Austin Parks Cast from your friends at Austin Parks Foundation. Join us for conversations that'll give you an inside look at Austin's outdoor spaces. We'll meet you outside. Meet me outside. Meet me outside, my dear. I want to be Welcome back to the Austin Parks Cast. Today, we're bringing you part two of our Zucker Vision Plan series. On Tuesday, February 15th, the city of Austin held its fourth Zucker Park Vision Plan community meeting, where they presented three design concepts for the future of Zucker Park. They now need the community's feedback to inform which elements of the plans will be included in the final concept. That's where y'all come in. Follow the link in the show notes to view these three concepts entitled Stitch, Edges, and Regenerate, and provide your feedback through their survey by April 10th. If you weren't able to complete the survey in time, that's okay. There'll be another community meeting and survey happening in the coming months. The important thing is that Austinites from all corners of town and walks of life give their feedback on the future of this green space. We think Austin's most popular park should reflect all members of its community. That's all for me. I'll hand it off to Kathleen to further introduce our guests and get the interview started. Take it away, Kathleen. Thanks, Grant. Zilker Metropolitan Park Vision Plan is a community-driven planning process to establish a guiding framework for the restoration and future development of Zilker Metropolitan Park. It is the first comprehensive planning initiative to encompass the park's 350 acres and associated facilities. During this ParksCast episode, we will be hosting our second conversation about the planning process, now focusing on the plan concepts that have been created through the process thus far. We will hear from Greg Montes, Program Manager for PARD Planning, Claire Hempel, Principal from Design Workshop, who is working with PARD to deliver the final vision plan, and Rich DePalma, Co-Chair of the Parks Board. To get the full story on the Zilker Vision Plan, be sure to check out episode one. Thank you all for being here today. Great. Happy to be here. Yeah. So first, um, I'd just like to introduce everyone that's on our panel today. Claire, can you get us started? Sure. Hi, I'm Claire Hempel. I work with the Austin Studio of Design Workshop. I'm a planner and a landscape architect by background, and I am serving as a project manager on the consultant side uh, for the project. And we've been working with PARD for uh, over a year now um, on the vision plan. Excellent. Greg? Thanks, Kathleen. Um, Greg Montes with the Parks and Recreation Planning Division. And I'm serving as the uh, project lead for the uh, Zilker Park vision planning effort um, and have an urban planning background in uh, education. And I'm happy to be working on this project for our most popular park in the city. Absolutely. Rich? Yeah, I'm Rich DePalma, Vice Chair of the Parks Board for the City of Austin. I've served on the board for going on seven years, and uh, prior to that, served on the Austin Parks Foundation board and uh, a resident of District 8, which this park mostly resides in, if not entirely. And so I'm very passionate about this project. And I guess in addition, I serve on the working group for the Zucker Vision Plan that's made up 
of a select number of um, volunteers from the Parks Board. Excellent. Thank you all again for being here. Uh, so uh, I'd love for you to tell the audience a little bit about the last community meeting, which was hosted in February, uh, and give us a sense of what the findings were. And Greg, I'm going to start with you. Sure. Um, our, our February meeting um, consisted of really essentially unveiling three uh, park concepts um, that were basically uh, kind of the result of all of the community outreach and engagement that the planning team has uh, conducted up to that point. And uh, it really was the opportunity to take all of that data and create three distinct uh, park concepts that could be graphically shared with um, the stakeholders and the community at large. Um, the consultant team was able to develop three concepts the first was called Stitch, which focuses on the uh, kind of really the uh, stitching of the park back together again. So as you know, the park is, is divided in half essentially with uh, Barton Springs Road. <clears throat> and the second is referred to as Edges, which focuses on some uh, design that would focus some of the access and amenities on the edge of the park, making it accessible to um, everyone from all sides of the, uh, you know, park boundaries itself. And then the last was uh, Regenerate, which is uh, really enhancing the park um, in all aspects of, of the, uh, the park itself. But um, in terms of the findings, I, I probably, in further details, I'll, I'll let Claire dive into that a little bit more. Sure. So um, the, at the meeting um, in February, we had uh, about 200 attendees through both Zoom and Facebook Live. Um, and so um, with, the, with the findings that I'll speak about, that's based on the, the results from the February 15th meeting. But I want to stress that the survey is live and we're encouraging as many people to take it, um, get the word out to your friends, families, coworkers, and um, we, we really wanna um, make sure that everybody has the opportunity to review the plans and leave their feedback. But from the February 15th meeting, um, we there's a lot of detail in these plans. Um, so with about a two hour time frame. It, it may have felt like we uh, went through the plans fairly quickly, but there was a lot of ground to cover. Um, so we, we focused on um, reviewing the, the various ideas within the Zilker Preserve area, the Great Lawn, the Barton Springs Pool area, the Polo Fields. Um, and we, the main takeaway, at least from the February 15th meeting, is that people were, the ideas from several of the concepts were really resonating with people, including the land bridge, um, doing improvements to Barton Springs Road. Um, a lot of great comments from, from the community in the Zoom meeting that night as well, that will help um, drive where the plan um, goes. Um, but uh, one of the, the key takeaways is that um, the plan that comes together will be a, a combination of the ideas that 
rise to the top for people from each of the concepts stitch edges and regenerate. So, um, but we are also seeing that there's um, two sides to a coin. So where there's, um, there's concern about how people are getting to the park and how um, people from outside the immediate vicinity will be able to arrive um, with, with families, dogs, things in tow um, and be able to enjoy Zilker is, is um, a concern for a lot of folks. There's also a concern about looking at the need for parking, not only for today, but what does that mean as um, potentially parking need decreases when we have better access to transit? That, of course, is going to take time. And this is, as a reminder to the listeners, this is a, a plan not just for the, the next five years, 10 years, but very far looking into 50 years and beyond. Um, we want to make sure that the plan ultimately works for immediate fixes that we know are needed today, how people are getting to the park, arriving safely, making it equitable, fair access, um, but also planning for what we don't know what yet is going to happen in the future. So how are people going to be getting around in 50 years, 100 years? Um, so planning for that flexibility is really key. Very interesting. Um, so where are you now in the planning process? Claire, I'll let you weigh in on this one. Sure. So um, we, as we discussed, presented three concepts that we want folks to carefully weigh and leave uh, their feedback on. Um, we are still working through um, what the ultimate design will be. And that's what we presented in February were ideas about the physical design aspects of the park. But there's really important other aspects to consider, which we'll be presenting in at the meeting number five um, happening in June. We haven't nailed it down a date for that yet. Um, but beyond the physical design of the park or the projects that could happen, we want to also consider the programs, the policies, and the partnerships that um, should be mapped out, including phasing and costs for these initiatives. So, <clears throat> excuse me, that is what will be presented in June. And um, again, we'll be seeking feedback, guidance, and direction from the community, um, which will lead to packaging all of that robust information into a document um, that will um, be live and available for the public to review um, within the fall of this year. And so we're, we're taking our time with, with the process. We know it's really important for people to have that time to weigh in and not feel like a decision has been made without their input. Um, so process-wise, we are also um, hosting a series of small group discussions. We had our first one yesterday, uh, beginning of March, and that will continue up throughout the month of March. And that's a targeted effort to reach out to those communities and, and individual groups and organizations that haven't yet had a chance to voice their input and comments. And so all of that is really important into guiding um, where the plan heads. 
Absolutely. I think it goes without saying that there's a lot of stakeholders um, and, and uh, a lot of, you know, people who have, who want their voice to be heard about what happens in Zilker. Um, to that end, can Austinites still weigh in on the concepts and where would they weigh in? Greg? Yes, actually, Kathleen, we are encouraging that the community at large still weigh in on the uh, reef plan concepts that were, were shared with them uh, back in, in February. Um, so we definitely would love to continue to hear from the general community on the concepts and the, um, you know, the things that they, you know, are interested in seeing, um, you know, be included in a future draft plan. So we definitely uh, would love for them to visit our project website, which is austintexas.gov slash Zilker Vision. Um, we do have a link to the survey there that they can participate in. Should point out that it is also in Spanish. So if any Spanish speakers would like to take the survey in Spanish, they can. Um, the survey will be available till the end of March. So they have, uh, this entire month to, to do that and share the website with others. Um, they feel like would like to be involved in this, this planning process. Um, the website is also, uh, for those that are new to this planning process that have not been involved yet, it's a wealth of uh, information there. They can get a lot of information about the previous community meetings that we've had, um, some of the uh, small group meetings and technical advisory group meetings, and even the meetings that we've held with the Parks Board Working Group are posted there as well. So if people have the time and the interest, they can get a lot of information from, from that website. And again, it's austintexas.gov forward slash Vision. Thank you, Greg. And we, um, for those listening, we'll have uh, the website in the show notes as well for your reference. And it really is a a wealth of information on that site, lots of, de lots of detail, lots of um, really good information about where, you know, where the, the plan has been and um, where it goes from here. So I think it's a great reference for people to continue to go back to to find out where we're at with the vision plan. Um, and so what is the next step after the plan concepts are reviewed by the public and the, the survey closes? Uh, what happens after that? Claire? Sure, so um, we have a lot to process. Um, we, we really do read every comment that is received from surveys, from emails to the project sites, um, it, it, and the Speak Up Austin comments. These have all been really fantastic ways to get a, a full read. Um, we've even been doing intercept surveys um, at not only Zilker Park, but parks throughout um, the uh, throughout the city and um, what we're processing as we head towards a final draft plan is not just the comments from this past survey and engagement window but from the entirety of when the first survey for this vision plan went live which was trail of lights in 2020 um, I can't believe it's it's um, been that long, but it's um, it really is important to think of the ideas and comments that we've gotten back holistically. So um, we're we will synthesize uh, the feedback and 
we have a, a really robust team working with us. It's not just Design Workshop. as a consultant team of 14 other consultants. And um, they all provide really valuable expertise and input into the direction of the plan. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we have three concepts on the table now, but the, um, we will be wrapping those into a plan. I want to stress that it's a draft plan because it's not final until city council approves it. But that uh, final or draft plan will be um, uh, processed with a, a cost estimator to provide um, costs for planning purposes. This is a vision plan, so um, the cost will have to factor in escalation um, for the foreseeable future. Um, phasing is really important, so the team will sketch out ideas of how phases could happen, um, but we'll want feedback uh, from the public on the all of these elements um, as the, the complete picture begins to come together in this, this last meeting. Um, and the, the vision plan as a document um, will be, it's probably going to be a pretty lengthy document because there has been so much detail, so much history. This is the first comprehensive plan done for the park um, ever. So um, in, in, by nature, it's going to be a, a pretty um, hefty document with lots of details. But it, it's necessary because there have been so many fantastic ideas put forth by the community that um, I think can be filtered into those buckets, as I, I mentioned earlier, of projects, programs, policies, and partnerships. Awesome. So just to shift gears a little bit, um, you know, we wanted to get the Parks Board perspective um, on this vision planning process for Zilker. Um, but, you know, for our audience that may not even know what the Parks Board does for our park system, um, Rich, can you provide just a brief overview? Yeah, it, it, love to. And, and first and foremost, I'm just one Parks Board member perspective, and we have a whole board, there's 11 members on total, they all have bring their perspectives uh, to bear, and then as a body, we'll, we'll vote and make a recommendation when it's going to get in front of us. But what the Parks Board does, it, it, we are represented for the board members all serve a council member. I am the appointment to Mayor Steve Adler, and there may be a different, you know, additional, there'll be additional appointments for each of the council members. And so the terms pretty much mirror that council member's term. Of course, people will come in and out uh, as they need to throughout the, their service. And the whole role is an advisory role. We're a little different than some, a uh, few of the other boards and commissions where they actually make a finite decision and that's what it is. And like the vast majority of the city council boards and commissions, we just make it, we just advise. And through that advice is, you know, if you're looking at the vision plan, advising to make sure how outreach is being done, um, what things to be considered, who's, you know, who's to be contacted in helping that inform the overall process on the higher level. And so when we talk about this advisement, we're advising on the acquisition, development, improvement, equipment, the programming, the maintenance for all the facilities. And you know, I believe that the Parks and Recreation uh, Department has more properties than any other city. 
and has a tremendous amount of employees with over 700 employees and about 1,300 full-time employees and over 1,300 part-time employees. So there's a lot there uh, to advise on. So these things, when we come in with a vision plan, are extraordinarily important for us. And the, we, what we do is we, what I do, um, and I believe my other colleagues do, is we look at the system as a whole. And as we're, you know, making sure that voices are being heard, that access to information, access to process is being given, and then ultimately access to a wide array of park and recreation activities is available. And that all go feeds into our long range plan that we adopt generally every seven to 12 years. And right now we have a 10 year plan called our parks, our future. And, you know, what we look for, what I look for is making sure that I protect a park system that has passive and active recreation opportunities for everybody. Because you might not find, I may not be, be on a tennis court, but I want to make sure that my neighbor in, enjoys tennis. Um, there's somebody may like pickleball or bocce uh, or, you know, swimming in Barton Springs pool and making sure we protect those diversity of interests. So we can, and particularly, we know how important it is. And I think that's what weighs so much on so many of my colleagues' mind is how do we protect a robust, park system? How do we have metropolitan parks that really speak to everybody, uh, you know, that you can find what you need if it's going into the, you know, hiking into the green belt for that, you know, being in green space, zip playing on the great lawn on a soccer, you know, using it as a pickup soccer game on the weekends, or last night I was driving by, it was full of soccer players. So all these different components um, is the lens that we're looking at. And then when we make that recommendation, in this case, the vision plan, so we have the working group, we're, we're helping inform a design workshop in the department on things that we think are potentially issue that we wanna make sure that's addressed, that goes forward into the, you know, in, into the activities of the department and, and the, all our consultants. Hopefully they take the recommendations. Sometimes I'm not saying specific to anybody on this call, but sometimes they don't take our recommendations, but we're there to help inform it. And then once we get that draft, uh, you know, the, the draft vision plan, then we're another data point. We're another stakeholder and we can recommend it going to council. We can recommend it with caveats additional things that should be looked at, uh, we could vote against it and look for additional things to come back. Ultimately, what happens though, when it gets approved, that is a council action. So we, again, are just informing, recommending, advising, um, but what, what we finally see on that adoption um, is actually council action. And they can totally change and go to different direction. Um, or they can absolutely take the recommendation, in which generally they do. There's some tweaking that happens. Parks Board is not the only one. This will go in front of Design Commission. So go through the whole slog of City of Austin commit boards and commissions. I feel for our, our uh, you know our staff and our consultants when they get to this because the amount of input um, it, it just continues to increase. So what I really appreciate about this current process is really capturing all that information that we're getting. 
And then of course, what the concern we all have on this particular process is how do we make sure equity is protected? We have a couple you know, groups who are very strong on you know, advocates because this is geographically close. And we wanna make sure we balance those voices with everybody else within the city because this is our crown jewel. Make no mistake about it. Zilker Park is beloved by everybody. And, and so we need to make sure that um, you know, what I feel responsible for as a Parks Board member is those voices, that access is protected. Does that help answer some of your questions? Yeah, absolutely. You answered two of my questions, actually. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, I think you're absolutely right that um, although we have um, other very large metro parks, larger even than Zilker, Zilker is always the park that people, you ask people from any neighborhood what their favorite park is and Zilker comes up so often. So it's, it's, it's um, really so important. And you know, Kathleen, that's pretty much since its founding and what's really remarkable from, you know, the original, uh, uh, you know, beautiful deal that Andrew, Colonel Zilker, Andrew Zilker did in gifting this to the, the Austin, um, you know, school district at the time, and I can't remember what the, what the name of it was then, but I think Austin Public Schools, um, and that gift so that the city would buy it back to give money to the school district, and then we would have it, you know, and to use as we seem fit, and as we seem fit, as it's been in the parks, and it's, of course, added to over the years, you know, we've, there was from the 17 to, I think, what the final one was 1941, the final parcel that was purchased um, from the Butler family for uh, a, a pretty sweet deal. So since that time, even in the, in the 30s, where you had the citizens, uh, you know, citizens work administration come out and build so much of those assets that we love right now, and some of them that we don't, because like, you know, we get to be honest, those picnic tables beat the heck out of my knees when I, when I go sit on them, uh, from that concrete, but there's been that love for it. And we've seen, you know, 20,000, back in the 30s, 20,000 people go to Zilker Park for the 4th of July festivals. We would see 2,500 people go to Barton Springs. We'd see parking issues discussed in the, you know, the 1970s. I mean, we have these things and it's really interesting looking at the historical component with this park. Um, a lot of these questions we've pushed off we've had these challenges and um, in the car and park and access and you know, being able to repair and replace is, is front and foremost for a lot of these issues. And so it's been a huge undertaking by the department and it, in what, just what, what Claire had said, this helps give us that, that path, that framework for decisions that will be made for well beyond my life. Um, and I think that's really what's important. You know, there, this once we turn the switch on this, nobody should expect, and I guess this is the key thing, nobody should expect that all of a sudden we are going to have all the money to be able to do all these improvements. We're going to have in the next bond cycle, whenever parks comes up, there's going to be a lot of competing interests, a lot of vision plans, a lot of acquisition, a lot of capital costs, which are those improvements that we all like. And so, you know, there's always over three times the amount of projects that we can fund for anything, not just parks, libraries, you know, police, um, you know, just across the board. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think that's such an important point. And we will be um, kind of focusing on that in a future episode as we keep moving through this process. You know, once you have the vision plan, now what? How does it get implemented? Uh, the roles that partners play, the roles that, you know, that, that the public plays, all of that. And I do, I do think it's, you know, questions that come up a lot um, with the neighborhood groups that I work with is always, you know, well, this isn't a vision plan. Why isn't there money for it? You know, and so understanding that the plan enables the projects to happen uh, to give you a roadmap for the projects, but doesn't necessarily mean that there's funding tied to it. Um, but that's where, you know, grants can come in or other kinds of partnership opportunities. And so, um, you know, we'll really kind of dive into that later on. But I think that's such an important point that you bring up. And Kathleen, I mean, and what you just brought was important. You know, we can't take advantage of those things. I mean, it's really difficult to take advantage of those grants, those philanthropic endeavors when we don't have a vision plan or master plan. Um, because what this plan is, it's that community, you know, it's that community voice. It's that getting what the community wants to see happen. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate all of you being here today and giving us this update um, on the Zilker Vision Plan. I think um, you know it's such a huge undertaking, so many um, people involved and, uh, and having your voices here uh, to kind of help people understand um, how the process works is so important. So really appreciate you being here today. Okay, we close out with one yeah. quick request. Absolutely. And that is don't take the process for granted. Don't take, you know, if you're the individual listener and you're like, oh, everything is going to work out the right, you know, it's just, it is. And I don't need to, to chime in. Don't make those assumptions. You need to go ahead and have your voice heard. There's always different perspectives on issues. We need to make sure we bring everybody in there. And when you do that, I hope you do. I hope that, that you on the other side of listening to this, really does do it through an equity lens and how do we make sure we have that access and how do we make sure we give all these recreational opportunities. But regardless of that, this is still your opportunity to make your voice heard. Don't assume that somebody else is speaking for you. Absolutely. And it's it's pretty clear from, from what you all said that um, that everyone's survey feedback is carefully reviewed. And I think that's so important. So this is something where you really do have an opportunity to have your voice heard in this plan. Thanks again, everyone. Um, so for those at home who are listening, um, make sure you check out the austintexas.gov slash Zilker Vision. Uh, that'll be in our show notes. And uh, we'll be letting you know, and we have a the next couple of episodes come out. Um, so we hope you'll tune back in. Thanks everyone. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Austin Parks Foundation is a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving parks, trails, and green spaces across our beloved city. Our tagline is People Plus Parks. We aim to give every Austinite a park within a 10 minute walk, no matter what part of town they call home. If you'd like to support our work in the parks, text APF to 76278 or visit austinparks.org backslash donate today. With your support, we can provide access to wonderful outdoor spaces for every Austin.